0: Hello and welcome to the second episode of diabetes mellitus and insipidus. I'd like to recap from the last episode. We learned about the molecular cellular and tissue um, that would be involved for diabetes mellitus and insipidus and we learned the difference between the two. They both would present symptoms of excessive thirst and they both are uh, depend on a hormone to control uh, but mellitus um, is regular diabetes and it has to do with involving the sugar levels in your blood whereas insipidus has to deal with your hypothalamus and the regulation of water in your body um, so, I went back and I checked out something real quick on insipidus that I wanted to share. Um, this is from ghr.nlm.nih.gov, the website. Uh, and I was reading up on the AQP2, uh, which is a gene that provides instruction for making protein called aquaporine. Um, so, this protein forms a channel that carries water molecules across cell membranes. Where is it found? In the kidney structures called collecting ducts, which are a series of small tubes that reabsorb water from the kidneys to the bloodstream. So if this is not functioning, there's some kind of mutation going on. The mutation that they found in the AQP2 gene is V71M. So the AQP2 expressed in cells of the kidneys collecting ducts where it plays an important role in concentrating water. So if this water is not getting reabsorbed, you're going to have the water retention, and that's where the symptoms come into play. So moving on, we're going to be talking about the integumentary systems and the skeletal systems and how uh, mellitus and insipidus Play a part in those symptom in those systems and how they're affected. So first, I'd like to talk about diabetes mellitus, also known as diabetes. So um, diabetes is um, it's a common culprit for a lot of diseases in the body. Sorry, I had a bit of a brain fart. Um, so these are bone and joint problems associated with diabetes. The first is Charcot joint, which is, uh, oh, this is also called neuropathic arth- arthropathy, arthropathy. It occurs in when a joint deteriorates because of nerve damage, a common complication of diabetes, and it usually affects the feet. Diabetic hand syndrome is very common. It's also called diabetic keratarthropathy, And it's a disorder in which the skin on the hands become waxy and thicken. Eventually finger movement is limited. What causes diabetic hand syndrome isn't known, um, but it is common in people who've had diabetes for a long time. We have osteoporosis. People who have type one diabetes have an increased risk of osteoporosis and osteoarthritis. Um, People who have type two diabetes have an increased risk of osteoarthritis due to obesity, a risk factor for type two diabetes rather than to diabetes itself. The difference between osteoporosis and osteoarthritis. Osteoporosis is a disorder that causes bones to become weak and prone to fracture, (coughs) where osteoarthritis is a joint disorder characterized by the breakdown of joint cartilage. Um, There's also another disease called DISH. Um, It's an acronym for Diffuse Idiopathic Skeletal Hyperostosis DISH. And it's a hardening of tendons and ligaments that commonly affect the spine. It's associated with type two diabetes Um, and they think that might be due to insulin or insulin-like growth factors that promote new bone growth. Symptoms would be uh, pain, stiffness, decreased range of motion in the affected parts of your body. If it affects your spine, you may experience stiffness in your back and your neck. Dupoitrins contracture, Uh, this is a deformity which one or more fingers are bent towards the palm. It's caused by a thickening and scarring of connective tissue in the palm of the hand and in the fingers. Again, common for people who have diabetes for a long time. Frozen shoulder. Frozen shoulder is a condition characterized by shoulder pain and limited range of motion. Usually affects one shoulder. Um, Diabetes is a common risk factor for this really interesting how many different diseases are um, diabetes is a risk factor for. Integumentary problems associated with diabetes. Acanthosis nigricans. This is a condition in which tan or brown raised areas appear on the sides of the neck, armpits, and groin. Sometimes they also, occur on the hands, elbows, and knees. It's <coughs> usually um, with people who are very overweight, and the best treatment is to use to lose weight. They also have creams that can help too. Diabetic dermopathy. Diabetes can cause changes in the small blood vessels. Now, these changes can cause skin problems called diabetic dermopathy, which is uh, light brown, scaly patches. The patches can be oval or circular. Some people mistake them for age spots. They're not age spots. This disorder most often occurs on the front of both of the legs, but the legs may not be affected to the same degree. The patches don't hurt, they don't open up, and they don't itch. It's harmless and it doesn't need to be treated. Now there's a similar disease to diabetic dermopathy. This is called necrobiosis lipoidica, diabeticorum. And um, it may be caused by changes in the blood vessels as well. Um, there's an acronym, thank god for it, called NLD. Um, NLD causes spots similar to diabetic dermop- dermopathy, but they are fewer, larger, and deeper. Um, It does start as a dull red raised area, but after a while, it looks like a shiny scar with a violet border. The blood vessels under the skin may become easier to see. Um, NLD is sometimes itchy and painful, and sometimes the spots crack open as well. Um, It is a rare condition though, and usually women are likely to get it as opposed to men. Um, And then there's just common allergic reactions from taking the injections of insulin. (coughs) You want to look out for rashes, depressions, or bumps at the site where you inject insulin. Diabetic blisters are pretty rare. But um, diabetic blisters occur in the backs of the hands, fingers, toes, feet, sometimes the legs or the forearms. The sur- the sores, they look like uh, burn blisters and often occur in people who have diabetic neuropathy. They're sometimes large, but they are painless and have no redness around them. And they heal by themselves within a few weeks. And in order to prevent that, people um, with diabe- diabetes just need to get their blood sugar under control, which seems to be the remedy for most of the most of these diseases eruptive xan- xanthomatosis. This is another condition caused by diabetes that's out of control. It consists of firm yellow pea like enlargements in the skin, and each bump has a red halo and may itch. It occurs most often, again, on the back of the hands, feet, arms, legs, um, and buttocks. This, interestingly, however, usually affects men rather than women with type 1 diabetes. <coughs> And usually, the person also has high levels of cholesterol and fat in the blood. Digital sclerosis. Digital sclerosis. Um, We talked about the diabetic hand that becomes thick and waxy. But sometimes people with diabetes, um, they get this skin, the thick and waxy skin, on their toes and forehead. The finger joints become stiff and can no longer move the way they should. Rarely the knees and ankles or elbows get stiff. Um, But it does happen to one third of people who have type one diabetes. And again, the treatment is to bring the blood sugar levels under control. In disseminated Granuloma annular. The, the person has sharply defined ring or arc-shaped raises um, in, on the skin and the rashes occur most often on parts of the body far from the trunk uh, like your fingers or ears, but sometimes the raised areas occur on the trunk and they can be red, reddish-brown, or skin-colored. <clears throat> um, so That's all of it. There's a lot of skin issues um, with diabetes, Um, not as much uh, skeletal, but a lot of skin issues. So these are a quick list of ways to prevent um, you from developing these issues. Keep your diabetes well-managed, keep your skin clean and dry, avoid very hot baths and showers, using moisturizing soaps may help. Uh, use moisturizing lotion except between your toes because it can prevent funk. it can um, create fungus. Prevent dry skin from happening. Treat cuts right away. Uh, during cold dry months, keep your home more humid. Use mild shampoos. Don't use feminine hygiene sprays. See a dermatologist for skin issues that you are having trouble with and take good care of your feet. Diabetic people tend to get sores and cuts on their feet. So um, it's better to wear broad, flat shoes that fit well. Next is insipidus, which is when you retain water. And um, there's not too much to go on as far as the integumentary system, your skin, and the skeletal system. (coughs) But um, people do see changes in their skin elasticity with insipidus. Um, also, there can be skin changes that are related to the treatment for insipidus, which is injections with vasopressin that you would get in a medical setting. You cannot do these injections at home. They have to be done in a medical setting. Um, so, The vasopressin can give blanking to the skin, Blanking is uh, pale spots when you press on the skin. Um, also, with vasopressin, you need to be careful about how much liquid that you drink because, as much as dehydration is dangerous, so is being overhydrated, and because it, it, it uh, interacts with how much fluid is in your body, um, your doctor will tell you how much liquid that you should be drinking. Side effects for the vasopressin can be loss of color to the lips, unusual skin changes, it can cause sores and tightness to the skin, it can make your skin um, discolorated, it can cause pain in your skin. This usually is seen in the lower legs or feet. So that's all I have for skin. The skeletal system, I'm going to take an interesting angle on the skeletal system with insipidus. and it involves the skull. The skull is obviously a a very important part of your skeletal system, it protects the brain. So, when you have a traumatic brain injury, it can cause diabetes insipidus, which is very interesting. Um, Insipidus does not cause (coughs) a traumatic brain injury, but, you can get a traumatic brain injury from a violent blow to your head or an object that penetrates the skull. Most common examples include falling, vehicle collisions, violence, sports injuries, or combat injuries, such as explosive blasts. But you can get insipidus from a traumatic brain injury because either there's a direct disruption of the hypothalamus or pituitary, or an interruption of blood supply to these parts of the brain <clears throat> or there's an increase in ICP or edema causing herniation of the brain and subsequent compression of the pituitary stalk or gland so how does insipidus infect um, affect the skeletal system well it doesn't really but it is related um, with the traumatic brain injury that's involved with that. So that's all I have for you guys today, and I hope you stay tuned to next week. Thank you.